Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they use on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. NBA playoffs coverage for tonight's game coming your way, but the important things first. They have six days to pass an Illinois sports betting bill before the end of the session, which means if they don't get it done by Friday, it's going to be a while. Here are the details. Your headline, no mobile or online betting for the next 18 months if this bill passes. In the state of New Jersey, 80% of the bets happening on phones happening online we live on our phones now and illinois is saying yeah you're not going to be allowed to bet mobily if this goes through till the end of 2020 going into 2021 other details on this bill 26 licenses for casinos racetracks otbs those would cost five million dollars a piece for those licenses seven licenses reserved for sports facilities Wrigley, United Center, Sox Park, $10 million a pop, and it includes the five-block radius around the facility. Two online-only licenses, $25 million apiece, and 2,500 lottery locations. That is for parlay betting only, $20 million for that license. The tax rate at 20%, so it comes down a tad, probably not enough, from 25% down to 20%. No integrity fee and no betting on games involving Illinois collegiate teams. I know it's a lot, plenty to digest right there. Late last night on my show, gaming and sports betting attorney Daniel Wallach joined me right here on The Score, and we went over this Illinois sports betting bill that's sitting on the table. I think it's highly problematic because, listen, the key for every state that's going to do this the right way is to have mobile sports betting. Uh, there has to be online platforms. New Jersey has shown the way already with 80% of the marketplace being mobile as opposed to, you know, land-based or racetrack-based betting. And this new bill has a blackout period for 540 days. Uh, what is that, a year and a half with mm-hmm. absolutely no mobile? I don't think this is a good policy or a good bill 
to have only a land-based environment. I think the solution to the problem that was created by Rivers Casino insisting on a penalty box provision, I think this is an overreaction to that problem. Instead, what should be done is just forget about the penalty box, forget about the blackout, and just go with mobile from day one. Otherwise, Illinois and the state, uh, the operators will be leaving a lot of money off the table, and there will be a lot of lost revenue going to Indiana, going to Iowa, and just folks not betting because they don't want to drive to a track or an OTB. And you're talking about now missing most likely two full football seasons uh, with no mobile betting. Tell me if you agree with this. Mm -hmm. It really seems to me that what they value the most here, this is all about what they think that they can pass, and let's just gobble up and take that money from all the license fees, more than what they're going to get on the tax rate. With the mobile betting, as you put it, 80% comes that way. Well, you know, in order to reach an accord with all the stakeholders, yeah, sometimes you have to make compromises, but I don't think this bill is the best compromise because the only uh, entity that insisted on any type of blackout period for Internet betting was Rivers Casino. If it wasn't for Rivers Casino, this bill would probably be all the way at the finish line. And uh, in every other market that has brought mobile sports betting you know, into the marketplace, uh, there have been no waiting periods, no delays, no bad actor clauses, no blackout periods. The only way to do it the right way is to have mobile immediately. Otherwise, this is an antiquated form of sports wagering. This is not the 1980s or 1990s. Most people uh, consume, you know, via, you know, e-commerce, they buy products and services over the Internet. Sports betting will be exactly the same way. And to ignore it for a year and a half, two year period to kick it down the road, the state will lose a significant amount of money. And the operators, the revenues generated by the operators will be much less. You've got to have mobile betting from day one. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I agree. No mobile betting. 540 days for a year and a half. That's obviously the lead. But Mm -hmm. outside of that issue, does the rest of the bill make sense to you? Uh, I think the tax rate is kind of high. Most states have tax revenues on sports betting anywhere from six and three quarters percent up to about 15 percent. I know Pennsylvania is an outlier at 34 percent, but I think 20 percent is a little bit on the high side. The license fees are on the high side. But what I like about the bill, the the only aspect of the bill that I like is that it creates a pathway for in-stadium betting and permits uh, sports betting to take place at the various professional sports stadiums and arenas. And this will be the first state in the country to open up that, uh, that avenue for betting. But otherwise, I think the bill needs probably one more amendment to eliminate the, the, the blackout period uh, and, and bring mobile betting to bear immediately. Uh, because without mobile betting, you can't have in-play wagering. Most of the betting that's taking place, an increasing yeah. amount of it, is once the game is underway and having mobile is critical to the success of that market. Without mobile wagering, all the betting or most of the betting is going to be pre-game betting. That's a great point that you bring up there. And let's talk about the sports facilities. Bulls and Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf visited Springfield recently. So the owners in this town clearly want to be involved, and they got their way in this bill with seven sports facilities getting licenses at $10 million a pop. And the language says a five-block radius of the facility. So how do you think it would start once these teams do buy the licenses, and where will we be in a few years? 
Well, I think ultimately what the leagues, or I'm sorry, what the teams want is uh, an exclusivity zone. I mean, in order to have sports wagering taking place in and around the sports betting facility, the facility owners wouldn't want to have competition within a five-block radius, and I'm sure they also want to control the mobile environment within those stadiums. So what it will look like is really in large part dependent upon mobile wagering coming into the marketplace at the same time. But for now, uh, these facility owners can use their arenas and buildings for more than just 40 dates a year. I can envision uh, you know, some of the downtown arenas b- being utilized for a sports wagering lounge on days that the teams aren't playing at home. So this is a manner in which these building owners can keep the lights on, you know, 365 days a year. So I, I think this is a boon for the sports industry. And, and quite honestly, I think that the teams and the leagues that create the product certainly deserve to have some direct economic state, stake in the activity. Uh, because after all, they, they are the producers of the game, the creators of the show. And I think it would be fair and equitable to have room at the table for the teams and the leagues to participate more directly in an economic way. This is Joe Ostrowski with gaming attorney Daniel Wallach on 670 The Score. And Daniel, you've done a nice job hammering this home to everybody listening. But all conversations about this bill go back to the mobile and the online betting. If you were to pick one aspect that is most important for any state that is passing legalized sports betting, it comes down to mobile, and Illinois doesn't involve that, correct? Yeah, 100%. Every stakeholder, whether you're talking about the leagues, DraftKings, Rivers Casino, there is one point on which everybody agrees. There's no debate. You have to have mobile as part of the sports betting environment. This country and and, and the economic system in this country is increasingly moving uh, to Internet-based commerce. And the way of placing wagers at the betting window has become an antiquated form of wagering. So to maximize tax revenue, to maximize profits, and also to bolster integrity safeguards, mobile has got to be the way to go. We're talking about a digital uh, fingerprint. Every wager placed over the internet has to have credit card verification, identification of the customer. You know who places the bet. You have a digital uh, fingerprint as to the nature of the wager, who placed it, how much. It's something that can bolster uh, the ability of all stakeholders to safeguard the integrity of the sports and wagering environment. Betting at the windows, on the other hand, is uh, is a much more cash-based process. You don't have to show identification. So I think if you look at it from the vantage point of tax revenue, profit, market share, and integrity safeguards, it has to be a mobile-based environment. Any delay uh, would undermine, in my view, the the, the success of, of the market for the first year and a half and would really lead to you know, consumers uh, opting for other choices across state borders in Indiana, Iowa, and potentially even you know, the black market. So in my view, not having a mobile environment for any length of time, whether it be one week, two weeks, or 540 days, is a losing bet for the state of Illinois. Daniel, how will this play out over the next week? I predict that this will somehow find a way to get done. The, the, the lawmakers and the stakeholders have one week left. This is the 11th hour, so to speak. I don't think we've seen the last version of a sports betting bill, and I would think that somehow the last day or two it will all come together and you know, cooler heads will prevail and mobile betting will find its way back into the bill. To do it this way uh, would, would be a, a failure 
and to not have mobile betting, it, I just don't understand how it could be. And only one stakeholder, which is Rivers Casino, is the root of this problem. If it wasn't for their insistence that there be this clause to exclude DraftKings and FanDuel from the market, we wouldn't be having this discussion today. So this measure is really only a byproduct of one stakeholder in the entire market. And I think by this point next week, uh, that issue hopefully will be resolved and mobile betting will be available in Illinois from day one and not on a phased out basis. I think it gets done. At least we wrapped up with some optimism from sports betting attorney Daniel Wallach. Now, minutes after the bill was starting to get around on Thursday evening, Adam Candy of LegalSportsReport.com joined me, and Adam shared his issues with the state's process. It's a Frankenstein bill, Joe. It is. It's a Frankenstein bill, and it's like a Mr. Potato Head Frankenstein. Like, the pieces don't even fit in the right places. I'm seeing things in this bill I've just never seen before. Look around you. Look around in Iowa and Indiana. They're simple bills. They're very straightforward. Here's the tax rate. Here's the license fee. Here's how many operators can come in. Here's mobile betting. And that's that. And Illinois has just gone and made a bill here that I don't even understand where they got some of the ideas from in the first place. But I don't see any way it passes. So really, that's the only saving grace for it. So it would be better for this not to pass. It gets pushed till the end of the year than to pass this. Completely. As 100% my opinion, this bill needs a lot of love and care because look where we started. We started with five different plans for it with Zaleski. We had five different plans. Then he whittled it down to two. Mm-hmm. Then we came with one amendment. And now this bill, which is sort of the last chance bill, for all the effort that's gone into it, I can't believe this is the final product. If New Jersey is the model that we want to follow, or most states want to follow. This is why we're here. They were the first state to go. They're behind everything. And they're very successful. Why aren't other states just following what they're doing? Other states are using a version of what New Jersey has done. I'll give you the quick overview for Jersey. You're looking at 8.5% tax rate for the retail sports books, 13% for online, 80% of revenue is coming in through a mobile device. And as you mentioned, 80% of the market is DraftKings and FanDuel. Every casino in New Jersey can partner with up to three online brands. So if I'm a casino in Atlantic City, I can have a deal with DraftKings, I can have a deal with you know, uh, Bet365 and someone else. So the model has worked very well in New Jersey. You, you're looking at over a billion dollars in handle last year in New Jersey. You're seeing versions of that. I just mentioned Iowa and Indiana. But you know, the more interests that get involved... You know, the more other casino stakeholders get involved, horse racing interests get involved. There's just a lot that goes on here that is getting very difficult to navigate. And what we've seen this year overall throughout the country is that the smaller the state, the easier it is to get something passed. The larger the state, things just become a big, big mess. You know, Illinois is not alone. New York has been kind of a disaster in terms of trying to get something done, although they still have some hope. But ultimately, look who's passed laws so far this year. Montana, Indiana, Iowa, Tennessee. And we're not talking about the largest markets in America. So what happens in the next week? Uh, We have some debate and some public theater. We have DraftKings and FanDuel arguing with Rivers. Uh, We have some inflammatory statements that go back and forth between those parties. We have some debate over the bad actor clause. And then at the end of next week, we all fold up our tent and go home. One vote for... By Daniel Wallach, one vote against. 
by Adam Candy on this bill getting passed. Uh, when I was on Burstyn McKnight the other day, they asked me if I think this was going to get passed, but that was before I actually saw the bill. Now, after seeing the bill and understanding how desperate this cash strap state is, I lean that it passes. I don't say that with a ton of confidence, but I understand why this bill was written the way it has been. And hopefully, like Wallach suggested, there are some changes before we get to next Friday. But I'm saying by a hair that this bill will be passed in the state of Illinois and sports betting will be legalized. We transition to the other games that people actually play, and we bring in on early odds Rick Camp. You'll hear him tomorrow morning right here on The Score, 7 to 9 a.m., a regular weekend host and producer of the Bernstein McKnight Show and the Lawrence Home Show. But I'm bringing him here on early odds because he shot me a text on Thursday. He said, Joe, just so you know, I know Toronto's seven-point dogs on the road, game five. The home teams keep winning. The Raptors are going to win tonight, and Rick, you were dead on it. What did you get that number at on the money line? Uh, 279. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice. I, you know, and, and the thing is, I wasn't that sure on Toronto, but the value was so good that it just pushed me over the edge that I had to get some of the action on it. Did you think it was closer to a 50-50? Obviously, yeah. you, you like Toronto on the spread, but what did you think it should have been on the money line since you thought there was value there? And how did you land there? I thought it should have been pretty close to 50-50. I mean, I was very torn on who I thought was going to win. So if okay. if the money line wasn't as high as it was, I probably would have just played it more conservative and taken the points with Toronto. But it was just the way Toronto had been playing, the fact that Giannis hadn't figured out a counter to when in the half court Toronto was able to set up that wall defensively. Giannis wants to go in and either Euro step, go through your chest, or spin over his right shoulder. That's what he wants to do more often than not. So there's enough big bodies on Toronto that can keep up with him enough where they take away the going through, the Euro step, they try and close the space so it's not as effective, and then there's always someone over that right shoulder when he would want to spin. And then at that point, Giannis is a a solid but not fantastic passer, so a lot of times he's getting the ball out to whoever's in the corner, but it's a little low or a little off to the side. So it gives the defender that little bit of extra time, that little half second to go close out. So it's not a wide open three for someone like Brogdon or like Bledsoe. How did this series flip? Milwaukee goes up 2-0. They have the home court advantage. You think going to Toronto, okay, this is going to be the Bucks series. It's a matter of how deep this series is going to go. But how did it change? It's too simple to say Toronto started making shots, but that is a big part of it. Because if you think about Milwaukee's basic defensive philosophy is don't let anybody in the paint give up perimeter shots. I mean, how many times are you seeing wide open Toronto shooters? And it's not like it's just guys that you'd be okay with shooting. Kyle Lowry's been shooting better. He's been getting open shots. Danny Green hasn't been shooting well, which is surprising for him, but he had the open shots. Mark Gasol, when he actually decides to shoot them, they're open. So they're actually draining more of those shots. Fred Van Vliet in Game 5 went 7 for 9 from 3, yeah, which is incredible, and that's not sustainable. But I think the biggest thing outside of just making more shots, tempo. The Bucks are fantastic when they're able to get the pace going. That's when Giannis has more room before Toronto can set up that defense. So if there's been 
more than 100 possessions, and I'm saying in regulation, because you have the double OT game, you're going to get over 100 possessions then. In the games where it's been over 100 possessions, Milwaukee's won. When it's been under 100 possessions, Toronto has won. Toronto's been more effective in the half court, and a ton of that's due to Kawhi. In game five, he was responsible directly for 56% of the points. He either scored or assisted on that high percentage of the points for Toronto. He's been incredible, the best player in the playoffs so far. I would even still say better than Steph. So that's what they've been able to do, and he's bothering Giannis enough to where he he makes Giannis at least hesitate. And that's all you have to do when you have enough other good defenders that the Raptors have. And the Bucks' secondary guys have not been very good outside of pretty much Malcolm Brogdon. Closeout situation tonight in game number six for Toronto. And on the Milwaukee side, they're just fighting to stay alive, try to bring this series back home. The Raptors are favored by two and a half, coming off three consecutive wins. The total at 212, the first half line, Toronto minus one and a half, first quarter, Toronto minus one. Anything that you like there? 212 is interesting to me. You're a totals guy, usually. Yeah, I, I don't know why I always lean towards totals. As much as Toronto wants to keep the pace down, I think the shot making has gotten better for both teams throughout this series as a whole. I lean the over there. If Fred Van Vliet even shoots half as well as he did in Game 5, that'll make a difference. Kyle Lowry's been good. Mike Budenholzer doesn't like making a lot of adjustments but I think he'll have to do something different, and I'm not quite sure what it is if it is more movement off ball because they're kind of similar to Houston where there's not a ton of movement off the ball. But just essentially not let the guys that are cheating in on Giannis know exactly where their guys are going to be, so maybe more cutting off of Giannis's action in the middle or maybe setting him up at the nail. That would be really nice. Move where he's going to be so that way Toronto has to adjust at least a little bit. But I expect the offenses to be – Solid enough. The total being that low for teams that should be two good offenses, I lean the over. Okay, over to 12. Player props will be out later today. For those that don't like a side or a total, any overs or unders that you would consider, well, maybe you should check what those numbers are at. I would say Serge Baca. I think he's someone for a point total. For points. That could go over. Okay. Because he had he had some solid games back in Toronto. He's it's just one of those where the others, the guys that aren't your stars, normally mm-hmm. play better at home. Without knowing exactly what that player prop's gonna be for Van Vliet, I would assume it's gonna be pretty high because he also played a large number of minutes. If Danny Green continues to struggle, those minutes are going to Fred Van Vliet, who played over thirty five minutes last game. He's played thirty five or more twice. So I would be a little wary of that. I'm interested to see what the rotation is going to be for Milwaukee. Nico Miritich didn't get a ton of time. There was more and more time where you actually had all three guards out there with George Hill being out there along with Brogdon and with Bledsoe. I think George Hill could be someone with the experience that he has and how well he's been playing that I would want to check where his point total is, and I would probably lean in over there. Thank you, Rick. I'm sure we're going to have to sit down again once we get the odds for free agency because that will be oh. just as exciting as the NBA oh, playoffs. I cannot wait. <laughs> Check out Rick Camp tomorrow morning right here on The Score from 7 to 9 a.m. Follow him on Twitter at RickCamp670. If you're really looking for some action, don't know where to go, there are some Drake props out there, okay? So you could even bet on Drake if you want. Personally, 
I want them to stop showing the guy, but okay. If you want to go that route, you certainly can. Rick Camp, Adam Candy, and the great Daniel Wallach were my guests this week on Early Odds. The Early Odds podcast available on 670thescore.com. Make sure that you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And the links to the podcast available on my Twitter feed at Joe0670 at Joe0670. I'll be in Springfield covering this event. Yeah, calling this event because I think it certainly will be uh, for 670 the score later on in the week. Inside the clubhouse is next on 670 the score and the radio.com app. Best of luck. Let's get this thing passed. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.